2: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show.
4: Hi, my name is Jean Foster. I'm the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications here at the Consumer Technology Association. We're the organization that actually produced CES. So thank you for joining us for our C-Space conversations. If you're not familiar with C-Space, it's the home for the marketing, advertising, branding and entertainment community at CES. And our next session is CMO Moves at C-Space. This is an exclusive conversation for marketers who want to understand how technology will shape their brands in the year to come. This episode of the CMO Moves podcast is being created exclusively for us at CES 2021. How would you describe the past year? Um, It's certainly been unprecedented, and it's been challenging on a personal and professional level for for most of us. And as marketers, we've had to pivot at lightning speed. In my case, it was moving CES to this all-digital format and technology has allowed us to make that pivot quickly. In this next conversation, we will explore what this means for brands and for their storytellers, and who better to lead this than Nadine Dietz. Nadine is the Chief Community Officer at Adweek, and she she is the host of the CMO Moves podcast. Nadine has convened an expert panel who are gonna be discussing best practices, they're gonna bring some fresh thinking, and they're gonna share some disruptive ideas and how we can successfully propel into a post-pandemic era. Nadine is going to be joined by top marketers from Mattel and from the Walgreens Boots Alliance. And I'm thrilled to welcome them to your CES screen. Well, thank you so much, Jean, for that warm introduction. And hello,
2: everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of CMO Moves, brought to you from the CES C-suite track. I'm so delighted to be here and to share this moment with two incredible leaders. Vineet Mira, who is the Global Chief Marketing Officer and also the Chief Customer Officer for Walgreens Boots Alliance, and Lisa McKnight, the Senior Vice President and Global General Manager for Mattel's Barbie brand. Vineet, Lisa, welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks
0: for having us, Nadine.
2: Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here with you both, and uh, Lisa, we are you are a first-time guest on CMO Moves, but Vineet. Man, we've done three rounds of this already. This is round number four, and it uh, keeps getting better, right?
0: Yeah, you, uh, you keep
2: upping the game here, so I'm going to try to keep up with you. <laughs> you have been keeping up with me. In fact, you've been upping the game every time I talk to you. You get a, a new title added to your list of titles. So let's start with an introduction from both of you. How about, Vinit, tell us a little bit about your role, uh, because it is Global Chief Marketing Officer and also Global Chief
0: Customer Officer, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it, and it's you know what it is is I think it's a recognition and a um, acceptance of the growing and changing role of the CMO and the C suite, right? There is marketing, which I think itself needs a marketing campaign. Like, what exactly is marketing? And uh, if you really think about it, marketing is about being the voice of the customer. I think the future of marketing really lands in experience-based differentiation. And so I think the chief customer officer role encompasses kind of traditional marketing, but also development of customer experiences, e-commerce platforms, getting deep into the technology infrastructure um, and ultimately measuring success on whether or not you're delighting customers with the experiences you provide them. So it's it's an expanded title, but more importantly, I think it's a recognition of where our function and the role we're playing in the C-suite is going. And uh, I know it makes, uh, it makes us all very proud um, as a function when, uh, when the role um, kind of takes on different meaning in the C-suite.
2: Yeah, and I love talking to you about that. You know, uh, you and I spent a lot of time talking about the, the five mo- mantras of the modern CMO that you penned and uh, it just makes a ton of sense. So uh, again, congrats on the expansion of the role that was relatively new. And uh, Lisa, I am so excited to have you on the show. You have a completely different kind of role, and yet there's so much crossover, and yet you have some unique things that you each focus on. Let's talk about your role. What does that mean to be the Senior Vice President and Global General Manager for Mattel's Barbie brand?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting at Mattel, we actually don't have a uh, CMO role. Uh, I report into our Chief Operating Officer, and I'm part of the leadership team. For the company and I'm responsible for all aspects of the Barbie brand and frankly, the the dolls division. Um, I'm responsible for brand strategy, our growth strategy, um, driving all of our marketing communications, product development and content creation, both short and uh, long form and work closely, you know, with all of my cross functional leaders and partners in the C-suite. So it's really exciting to have that holistic view. Um, over not only the brand Barbie, but but also the, the category of dolls. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And uh, wow, we only have 30 minutes for the segment. There's going to be 100 questions I have to ask you about everything that you guys are doing. So let's see if I can focus here. All right. So we're going to talk about dolls, and we're going to talk about the evolution of Barbie. But real quickly, I see, Lisa, you've been at Mattel for 22 years. That's a, a pretty long time. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about your journey, because we haven't had the pleasure of hearing about your journey yet. And how have you been building your career towards this leadership role that you're in today?
3: Well, thank you. Um, you know, I like to think of my career at, uh, at Mattel as many careers. Um, I actually started in advertising prior to Mattel and then went client side and worked for the uh, Gap um, in their corporate headquarters um, in their marketing department. And then, you know, 22 years ago, joined Mattel. Since then, I've had a variety of roles. I've I've run the consumer products business for Barbie. I've created um, a, the function of marketing communications for the company. I was a vice president of marketing for Barbie, um, and I most recently, before this current role, was the head of North America marketing for the entire Mattel portfolio, which was incredibly exciting. Today, you know, I'm running the global uh, dolls division and uh, the global brand Barbie. It's been a ton of fun. Um, you know, I've I've definitely. Had a lot of great experiences, made sure to raise my hand, um, took a few positions that were a little out of my comfort zone, but always learned um, so much along the way. And I think it's made me a great general operator.
1: Yeah.
2: Wonderful. And we're going to get into some of those operations uh, here very shortly. But Vinit, let's let's come back to you for a moment, because I remember uh, when I first met you, more than three years ago now, I think, you were at Ancestry. And we had such a great conversation then. But what I really remember vividly and will never forget is your take on performance storytelling, which was such a refreshing idea. And many were killing it. Ancestry, too, with how you were actually doing that um, winning awards, too, for creating new media. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you think about that. And I know it's evolved because now you have you've evolved as well in all the things that you're responsible for. So tell us about that
0: look performance storytelling is a is 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 a moniker to capture the idea of a full stack of marketing right all the way from the very top of the funnel which ultimately are the stories and the narrative that define your brand and you know, Lisa, full credit. I mean, I just love the story that's being told about Barbie over these last few years. It's an unbelievable a- accomplishment. And, you know, having your brand be part of really important, culturally relevant stories is never going to go away in marketing. But as you know, we also have this like East Coast, West Coast debate going on, performance marketing, brand marketing, and performance storytelling was a way I've tried to bring it all together, right? You've got the story side of it. All of that demand eventually, though, needs to get captured into conversion and sales, whether that be through a direct-to-consumer model, site conversion, or store conversion. And so I think performance storytelling is this idea of you can't separate the two. Performance marketing, brand storytelling need to come together. And it's sort of a false debate to think that they're separate. I think the most modern sort of developed marketers are figuring out how to connect the stack across the upper funnel right down to the bottom of the funnel. And that's what performance teller telling is about, an idea to try to bring both of these concepts together.
2: Yeah. It, and, it, and it's always amazing to hear you describe that so simply. And yet, when I think about the collaboration team that you and I are on, we've had three rounds of discussions with 30 CMOs, and no one can actually come up with the exact definition um, because it's different for every model. It's different for every business. But you, you describe it so clearly, and yet it is its very, very complicated when you start digging into that in more detail. So, um, but it's also one of your key drivers for growth, right? So can we talk a little bit about your growth agenda?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we've got, um, we've got, I think the role of CMO is all about growth, right? I mean, if you're coming to the table, just talking about brand equity metrics and affinity, that's fine, but, and you should do that. But ultimately you've got to be in that C-suite being seen as a growth hacker in your company. And you've got to be finding new avenues for growth. And so, you know, in our, in our world, we've got many of those, right? We just launched Walgreens Advertising Group and creating an entirely new revenue stream for the company and becoming essentially a media network, leveraging our first-party data to become a media um, company for CPGs. Um, so that's alternative revenue. Um, this year, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, we've launched diagnostic Testing, and now we're about to get into the vaccines and immunizations side of the world. Um, and then we're, uh, you know, we just launched Last Mile, you know, pick up your product in as little well as 30 minutes from zero stores to 9,000 stores in a matter of two months. So, you know, growth comes in many shapes and sizes um, it's new products, it's alternative revenue streams. It's new experiences like that buy online, pick up in store. And so I think that is really what it's about. I think the CMO has got to get into C-suite and say, how can I bring growth to this company? And to me, the ultimate barometer is when a CFO recognizes a CMO as a growth driver. And uh, if you get to that point, um, I think that's you know a good barometer for all CMOs to keep in mind. So growth is definitely top of mind and uh, something we're very focused on as a company and, and as a team.
2: Ah, wonderful. And Lisa, it was so fun chatting with you about this because your role, I mean, you literally are a chief growth officer as well. Uh, you own the growth agenda and you work very closely with your chief commercial officer to, to look, not just what's happening next year, but way out into the future. Tell us a little bit about that relationship and, and how you think about your, your growth plans and your targets.
3: Yeah, happy to. So yes, I am, I am, uh, Charged with um, continuing to grow the the portfolio and and most importantly, you know, our flagship brand, Barbie. And um, absolutely have a lot of collaboration with um, not only our commercial team, our strat team, um, as well as, um, you know, some of our functional expert teams. Um, We've got a a head of film um, and a head of um, content um, from a linear television standpoint and so forth. So work with all of my partners to figure out how to unlock growth. Um, But it's a really exciting time for for the brand, for Barbie in particular. You know, we're looking at, firstly, studying our consumers and and going where they're going and um, realizing that we have an opportunity to, um, you know, do more. We've got a very strong footprint, of course, in toys, um, but we can expand into other categories um, more intentionally. We want to be everywhere a girl is and have as much share of day With her as we can so starting with um, when she wakes up in the morning to when she goes to bed at night what products is she interacting with and what experiences experiences um is she having so looking at a different category expansion plan looking at expansion into digital girls of course are spending a lot of time gaming just as boys are we've got a really successful app um, that harkens back to one of our most successful toys the dream house 71 million users doing great with kids is there a general audience opportunity? Can we expand? Um, because there's a lot of Barbie fans. This is a brand that spans decades. So we're multi-generational. Um, so looking at that, looking at also monetizing some of our content, you know, we've got a really exciting social platform where Barbie in the first person um, on that Barbie style um, talks about her day, goes to events, um, showcases and integrates brands. Should we be monetizing that? Should we syndicate this into a, an editorial piece? Um, with other outlets. So lots of ideas and it's really fun. It's an exciting time to think about how high is high.
2: Absolutely. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about that too, because there is so much happening right now across the board and so many opportunities. I know, Vinit, you spend a ton of time working very, very closely with your CIO as you think about really what does breakthrough innovation look like for Walgreens? Um, and I, I remember watching your drone video now over a year and a half ago with the drone delivery. And I was like, okay, we've, we've essentially entered the future or the future that I thought was coming. But I mean, you just keep advancing that over and over again. Tell us about some of the things that you're working on with your CIO today.
0: Yeah. So um, our CIO, and he's like, uh, I call him my digital soulmate. Um, he, uh, we work very closely together. We're almost inseparable. And I think that's the, just the, the truth of our jobs now. Um, you can't really build experiences without a tight integration with your data infrastructure, your technology infrastructure, and your product management organization. And so that's a very tight collaboration. So, you know, you talked about drones. Um, you know, we're, we're testing that as we speak. Imagine being able to take the eight-minute Walgreens or Boots shopping trip, which is the average shopping trip, and actually be able to stay at home and within eight minutes getting your product kind of delivered into a nest in your front door uh, when your kid has the flu, right? And you just can't leave because you're at home alone with two of them. One of them has the flu and you need that ibuprofen at your front door in eight minutes, right? So there's some real use cases for technology like that, where it's not just sort of nice to have, but uh, kind of really acute and game changing to have and changes customers' lives. I think the other part of it is that we are working on experiences so what francesco our cio and i have developed is a we've co-developed a product roadmap Hmm. and uh, essentially the product management function is very much a shared responsibility between myself and our cio we have an experience based roadmap and then obviously on his end of the house he's got the engineers and the architects that will build those experiences but it's a very tight relationship centered around what are the five or six most important customer needs and experiences we need to solve for. Um, And then we develop a roadmap and we, we build and, uh, and go from there. So I think that that CIO, CMO, CGO, whatever you want to call it relationship is uh, now probably the most important one in the C-suite. And uh, it's something that we uh, take great pride in nurturing and role modeling in our organization.
2: Wonderful, and, and Lisa, you know, speaking of evolution, you've already seen such huge transformation, especially with the Barbie brand since you've even been at Mattel, and yet you're constantly thinking outside the box on all the things you were talking about earlier about how to really think about the future. Talk a little bit about the evolution of Barbie, because I, I think, as Vinny said earlier, wow, I mean, very impressive what you guys have been able to accomplish with the Barbie brand.
3: Well, thank you. I mean, you know, we candidly had um, a real uh, brand issue about six, seven years ago. Um, And understandably, as brands uh, stand the test of time and, you know, go through six decades of legacy, you're going to have some highs and you're going to have some lows. But we found that um, about six or seven years ago, we had lost touch with culture, frankly, and we're always at our best when we're connecting to culture. And so, um, you know, we started a journey to modernize and evolve the brand. Um, We started with positioning and going back to the original purpose of the brand. Um, Barbie was created by a female entrepreneur, businesswoman, also the co-founder of Mattel. And the whole purpose behind the brand originally was to inspire the limitless potential in every girl. So grounding ourselves in that notion of female empowerment um, and, and shifting from what Barbie is to what she enables was a huge pivot, and we we developed some amazing communication programs around that. We then, though, absolutely had to scrutinize our product line and the way the brand was being perceived by kids and parents. Um, Barbie's body um, was polarizing. Uh, we, We had to evolve it, so we introduced multiple new body types, curvy, skinny, petite, tall. Um, We also knew that we needed to add more diversity into the line to make sure that the brand was reflective of the world that girls and kids see around them. And we've been doing that ever since. Um, We knew that we had an opportunity to celebrate real women role models. So we started a program called Shiro's and we um, created likeness dolls of real women doing amazing things in areas where women are underrepresented in career fields. And, um, you know, that became a great spark of, of inspiration for, for girls. Knowing that they could be something is so helpful when they see real women actually doing these things. And then, of course, we evolved our content. We made Barbie more relevant as a character. We made her more vulnerable, less perfect. And then really worked to be and expand and go wherever girls were um, going. We, you know, we looked at a purposeful approach across sort of every touch point. And then, you know, a few years ago, I'm really proud, we introduced... Um, an actual social mission campaign called the Barbie Dream Gap Initiative. we found that through um, interesting research that NYU was running that starting at the age of five, girls start doubting their um, abilities they they believe that they are less capable and less you know able to do things as boys, so we wanted to get to the root of that. so we've initiated this Dream Gap project. we're funding more research to understand you know the the root cause of this, and we're continuing to lean into. Again, creating a more diverse, inspiring product line, content offering, et cetera, to show girls that they can be anything and help them reach their limitless potential.
2: So the world kid, thank you enough. Um, and as Vinique can attest, uh, being part of the Adweek Steering Committee, we have a very, very large DEI council. And obviously, DEI has been important for all for so, so many years. But I'm so happy that it took center stage this last year. Um, And so all the work that you've already been putting into it has has really been a great runway. Um, And I I commend you. And so I want to just thank you on behalf of the whole industry. Girls everywhere is so important. Um, And, you know, when you think about, though, this last year. So many unique challenges really popped up. You know, we, we just talked a little bit about DEI. Of course, that was a major theme and I hope will continue to be a major theme for every year to come. But what were some of the specific things from COVID that had you pivot and as as you thought about how do I actually help my consumers in this current time? Consumers and customers, right? Because in Lisa, your case, the consumer is not really the customer. Um, so t- why don't we start with you, Lisa, and then Vinita. I'd love to hear the same from you.
3: Well, it, you know, as we all sort of started to realize the, the, gravi- the gravity behind this, this pandemic, um, you know, it it caused us to certainly pause. we We had to um, completely scrap the majority of our marketing plans for this year for a variety of reasons. I mean, the first thing we wanted to do was make sure that we were, of course, taking care of our employees, making sure everyone was safe um, physically as well as you know mentally. But then, of course, you know, we went to our consumers and you're right. um, you know we we have multiple consumers. I mean, kids are the end user of our toys, but also we we have parents that are the purchasers. So, We tried to think about the tone of our marketing messaging, the programming, the offers that we could make that not only um, provided entertainment and um, good um, sort of teachable moments for kids, um, but also in comfort for kids, but also we wanted to create marketing um, tools that provided um, some help to parents. We created the Mattel Playroom, a digital hub where parents could go as a free resource and get tips on games to play. Um, arts and crafts projects, content to watch with their kids. We did something similar, of course, specific to Barbie. And, um, you know, really wanted to make sure that throughout this situation, we were a voice of comfort for kids, their parents, and so forth. We tailored a lot of our content um, to be direct about what was going on in kids' lives. We created a vlog of Barbie in first person talking about this new normal and what she's doing to occupy her time on social media, as we went into quarantine, so did Barbie. She started wearing a mask. She started baking banana bread. Um, she participated in all sorts of challenges. So we wanted to bring some levity and entertainment and comfort, but also where we could, we provided, you know, some more, um, constructive, I would say teachable, um, opportunities.
2: Yeah. Wonderful. Vinny, how about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I think, uh, obviously with COVID, um, we were right in the center of it with our boots business in the UK and, uh, our business Walgreens here in the U S. Um, and I think it's all about the reemergence of the community pharmacy and the community pharmacist. If you think about it, we were all sheltering in place. We still are in many cases. And, you know, we weren't really moving beyond, you know, a mile radius of our homes to pick up everything that we needed. And so, the role of the community pharmacy and the community pharmacist really transformed. And I say we did a couple of things that I are really, um, really, we had to pivot hard and fast in our company. I think the first thing is, you know, we really lived into our purpose, this idea of um, providing health and well-being to every community in America, no matter what's, what's the socioeconomic class, race, it doesn't matter. We're in every community and we have to serve each community with equality and equity and ensure there's no sort of health deserts, you know, across America. And, you know, the first thing that we did was um, we gave access and completely transformed our our app. Uh, so we actually launched a new app, which actually integrates all of our health services in one place. So whether that's, you know, actually buying OTC products to fight that fever, whether that's, um, you know, buying PPE products like masks, we were actually one of the first retailers in the country to have masks and PPE products on our shelves. So we Really rush through that. Or it's, you know, booking a COVID test. You can do that through our app now, book a flu vaccine, uh, find telehealth services. The first thing we did was we tried to create an experience for customers when health is so forefront, all in one place, all through an app experience um, that makes it seamless and easy for customers to take care of their health. The second thing that we did and really focused on was this whole idea of buy online, pick up in store. You know, we've got 9000 stores in the US. We're within five miles of pretty much everyone in America. And so the role we can play for customers in terms of ordering something, wanting it completely contactless, not going into a store, you know, being within like sort of a few minutes of their home. I'm sure many of people watching this level Walgreens within a mile or two of their homes, um, we launched in 9,000 stores, buy online, pick up in store of our full assortment within months um, to really meet customers with that with that proposition. You can imagine the back-end technology and infrastructure that needed to be built to do that. Uh, lastly, um, and very importantly, we went very much into the COVID uh, testing and immunization space. So many of our stores turned into drive-through COVID testing centers, So you could literally pull up. You wouldn't have to get out of your car. You would do the nose swab. And within um, within minutes, really, 15 to 30 minutes, you would get a result um, for you and your family. Um, So we kind of pivoted kind of our parking lots almost to covid testing centers. And, you know, I know this is airing in uh, during CVS, but in December. Um, We actually uh, put out and worked with Operation Warp Speed and the U.S. um, Department of Health and Human Services and Department of Defense to actually become one of the largest providers of vaccine and immunizations for COVID. Um, We actually just administered our first one. Uh, We're recording this here on December 18th, and uh, it was just an amazing achievement. We're going to go to the most vulnerable populations first. Uh, our pharmacists are now actually deploying and administering vaccines in um, senior care homes, you know, across the country. And uh, you can imagine taking a pharmacist role and actually pivoting it from dispensing through to vaccine delivery in elderly care homes, the amount of training and speed with which that was done, coordination with the department of health and the, and the U S military. It's just been an unbelievable year. And we're really proud of our organization for You know, learning new skills, launching new experiences and really trying to live into that community pharmacy idea and elevating the role of Walgreens uh, in every community.
2: Wow. Well, thank you as well. My goodness, I didn't expect I'd be sitting here thanking you both for just (laughs) impact uh, for everyone around us. So I feel very honored to be here with you both. Um, And I have so many more questions, but we are actually coming close to the end of our time. So how about we move to like a lightning round? Would that work for you guys? Let's have some fun. We are the technology epicenter right now. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and I'm actually going to split these up. So Vinit, I'm going to ask you to give us a one sentence response to what I'm going to ask. I'm going to just drop a word or phrase and I'm going to do it three times. I'm going to do the same thing with you, Lisa, but three different topics. Okay, ready? All right, here we go. Vinit. Artificial intelligence and machine learning. What does that mean to you? Uh,
0: Automated content creation, meeting customers' questions where they are. Awesome. And will that impact your business moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, performance storytelling is going to require thousands and hundreds of thousands of pieces of content, and humans simply won't be able to create all of it. So I think AI will be critical to, to developing all of that. Awesome. So let's
2: keep going on. Will it impact your business? AR, VR?
0: Uh, Absolutely. AR, VR is, I think, going to be specifically, I think AR is going to be a new sort of shopping experience. I think the purchase funnel from discovery to purchase is going to shrink. And I think those these AR environments are going to be key to, to enabling that in the future.
2: Okay. last one. Robotics.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked about drones, you know, Um, you imagine drone delivery at scale. You're receiving products within eight to 10 minutes of ordering it. I think robotics robotics are going to play a huge role in the future and how customers receive what they buy.
2: Amazing. Okay, Lisa, over to you. Here we go. Connected play.
3: Connected play. Well, I would say, you know, continuing to figure out how to enhance, I'll call it our analog play with uh, sort of digital plus-ups. Um, you know, we don't want to ever do tech for tech's sake, but if there's a way to optimize a great innate play experience with a technology booster, we're all about it. Super, okay, connected TV. Um, connected TV, I would say, you know, go where the, where the eyeballs are going and make sure that we've got great storytelling and content on every platform and then figure out how to eventize Uh, those premieres, those series launches um, to, um, you know, drive as much viewership and engagement as possible. All
2: right. Last one. Streaming audio.
3: Streaming audio. Um, That's one we're really excited about. Um, I'm dying to get into a Barbie podcast space. Um, Again, we've got Barbie as a vlogger. We've got Barbie as a um, influencer on Instagram. So, you know, podcast is next Uh, coming soon.
2: I, that sounds really cool, actually. I'm, I'm curious who will be Barbie. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting. All right. Very cool. Okay. So, um, Lisa, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a question that I've asked Vinny now at least twice. Um, so as our welcome to our family CMO moves, there's one question everybody has to answer. If money and talent were of no object and you can't be uh, doing what you're doing today, so you can't answer that, what would you be doing?
3: That's a good one. Um, I would say I would be a teacher at an all girls school.
2: Very common theme, actually. Teachers from anybody that touches marketing, there's something there. Maybe that's that storytelling coming back, right, Vinit? So just have,
3: I, I went to an all girls school um, during my elementary years, and so I'm connected, and um, I've had the privilege of being able to speak at certain events and to see again, you know, the kids' faces light up and to be able to. Provide some inspiration at such a young age. Um, I think is such a gift.
1: Absolutely.
2: Well, and then, Vinit, to be fair, if, if folks didn't hear your first two times that you answered this question,
0: what's what would you do? Yeah, I would. I would open a pizzeria on a beach and <laughs> chill, surf pizzas, and make some cocktails.
4: Oh my
2: god! I have to introduce you to Charlie Cole and Kieran Hannah. I think you guys <laughs> have something to talk about. Um, awesome. Okay, last question for both of you, and then we are out of time. If And and this is really, I think, my favorite question of all right now. What one thing are you most optimistic about for the future? Lisa, how about you?
3: I'm really optimistic um, about a couple things. One is how empathy is becoming in the forefront of leadership and how um, certainly this crisis that we've all been living through has forced us to all be better listeners, um, you know, show up even more so as human beings in, in, in the meeting rooms and boardrooms and, um, you know, really excited to see that that level of humanity um, take off and um, to see leadership lead with it. I also am really impressed with how so many companies have been more uh, proactive in addressing the um, incredible needs around diversity, equity and inclusivity. Um, I think what we need to make sure we do, though, is not just talk the talk, but walk the talk. Uh, what we say externally is something that we also need to make sure we're modeling internally internally. Um, but, but, I'm optimistic about the future.
2: Wonderful. Vinit, how about you?
0: Yeah, look, building off Lisa's great points. um, you know i'm I'm really optimistic about, frankly, the the next generation of marketers. Um you know, I, I think these issues we have in our industry around racial equality, um you know, servant based leadership, um empathy. I just feel like, you know, we kicked off something inside the company called Marketing for Change, which is really a movement around transforming our voice in the industry to represent the diversity of society and, you know, the roles marketers we play there. And I tell you, we had like six or 700 people join the first town hall, all of our first, second, third generation marketers that are, I think, are going to transform this industry for the future. So I, I think we have an up and coming group of marketers that I think are going to make our industry that much stronger and that much uh, better. And I'm really excited for uh, the future of our industry uh, because of them.
2: I am also equally excited about that. When You combine the empathetic leadership that both you and Lisa were referring to as a role model, a blueprint, the courtesy to other human beings, but also one thing we didn't get to today, but we will come back and talk about another day is the unicorn and how we can actually equip them to be successful with all this new technology around us and all the new skills that they have to constantly be developing. So, um, man, I wish we had another half hour, but we don't, I wanted to say thank you so much to both of you for being here. This was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you both. Thank you thank so you. much Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day.